0: You switch on your phone and there is a pop-up. You look at any screen and there is lots of messages that you may or may not want coming out there. You take a drive and you keep on seeing these labels. You go on social media and there are so many opinions and so many messages that are reaching you. In this maze, Of an ever-present media and so many media messages how does one navigate their life and ensure that they are not negatively impacted by the media that surrounds them today we're going to have a conversation on what is media literacy and how do we ensure that we are able to empower young people and make them media literate you're listening to the mind pod conversations on mental health brought to you by Myopchar and the Fortis national mental health program Fortis healthcare I'm Dr. Samir Parikh, and today we have experts who are going to talk about media literacy Divya Jain a sport and counseling psychologist and Mimansa Singh Tanwar a clinical psychologist coming to the youngest person on this conversation. Divya, you've been exposed to a media a lot more than my generation. We had very little to do with it. And I actually believe that those were lovely times. In my grade 12, I did not have any cable. I did not have any mobile phones. World was simple. Playground near my home. Go out there, play, come back. Teachers, hardly anything else. Lots of friends, lots of meaningful relationships. And from there, By the time we reach your generation, text messages, emoticons, so much information, so much information, which unfortunately is not always right. And the same information which was used for generations to give the right information and impetus to the world. Today, one struggles between fact and fiction and myth and stereotype. What does one do?
1: First of all, let me clarify, I still come from the generation of libraries, uh, not of uh, online search engines, Uh, but I do wonder that had I been in 11th, 12th grade when I had access to these cell phones and all of these social media websites, I don't know how I would have passed my 12th grade and hats off to children who are able to do that because you're just constantly bombarded by so much information and it is made to look so attractive. It is designed in a way that it makes you want to reach out to your phone again and again. It makes you dependent on it in certain ways. All your modes of communication, even homework now is is focused on that. Uh, the dependence that we have on screens, the fact that people don't go out to play anymore. You can play tennis with a video control remote rather than actually going out there and on the ground.
0: once I was having this very interesting conversation with your daughter uh, sometime back. And she was telling me that how many hours of uh, mobile phone usage you have and in that how much is um, social media. And, well, it was a lot. But my thought here is not merely about what you do. I want to flip it and ask you that as a parent of a child uh, just about getting into pre-adolescence, you see that how much children, and like Divya was saying, are already so much accustomed to, used to, almost in a way that it's life for them when it comes to um, gadgets. I mean, especially mobile phones and internet through whether it is laptops or whether it is on OTT. So here, help us understand from the parents' vantage point of what you see and why media literacy becomes this important.
2: Well, if we were born in the age of cycles and libraries, they are born in the age where cell phones are there from the time that they're born. So for them, of course, it, it becomes a very natural skill to operate in. And uh, for children, for that matter, it's, it's something which is part of their day-to-day life. And for that matter, even for us, I mean, so many years... Down the line, when we are operating now cell phones and we are so dependent on so for information, for connection and so many other things. It's not merely just about two things now. It's about so many other aspects that we look at, entertainment, connecting. And we as adults are depending on it and using it. So even children do. So is the answer that we should stop children using media, gadgets, all of these things? No. But what we need to really give them is how can they develop certain skill to critically analyze, think of how they can use it, which means we need to start early. If children are using phone as young as six years, five years, and that's what when we are giving them, because we want to feed them, we want to uh, distract them while we are busy and we are doing this as adults, as parents, we are doing this. So we need to also be mindful of how to give them the right information, which means what is it that they can go on? When is it that they need to come to a parent? for what they can see, what they should not be seeing, the safety measures, the name should not be shared, the password should not be shared. All of these controls a parent need to have when they are young. As you go forward in a teenage and pre-adolescent age, it becomes more about critical analysis and teaching moments where you and your child needs to have some meaningful conversations around what you see on a day-to-day basis, about information, about Movies, stories, whatever that you get from
0: media. Yes, I mean, it goes without saying, I think as early as we can, we should uh, make sure that children are aware about privacy and safety when it comes to their interface with internet and media. And I think it's important that more and more schools and parents take this initiative and constantly and consistently talk about the need of privacy and safety. Coming to the other side of media literacy, by to you, Divya, so many messages come one wouldn't know the why one wouldn't know the what one wouldn't know fact and fiction there are so many aspects help us know what are those critical uh, questions that one can train young people with and frankly even adults so that they can use the filter as a skill to prevent any um, let's say negative impact of media messages
1: you know a lot of times these days we receive these messages on a uh, forwarded to us and we simply look at them and we forward them ahead not really thinking about the what where how so there are seven questions that we usually uh, refer to the first one is who has produced or paid for this message what is the source of this message the memes that we're receiving that day what is who's actually producing and funding those that are actually coming through The second question is, what is the purpose of this message? The person who's making it, why are they spending so much effort and energy into sharing that message with us? So what do they want us to believe? How do they want to influence our actions? The third question is, what techniques have been used to make that message feel more believable or more likable? Celebrity endorsements are one very commonly used strategy here. If you find your favorite celebrity endorsing something, you're likely to feel it's more believable or likable as well. The fourth question is, who is the target audience? Who is this message actually designed for? Every advertisement, every forward, every message content that is actually created does have a particular demographic of people it's designed for. The fifth is what is left out. So media is a snapshot, right? You get a snapshot of reality, but there's so much around that that's missing. We need to learn to fill those gaps also. The sixth would be, does the message contain any stereotypes, any biases, which which also strengthens those biases in our thinking without us realizing? And also what lifestyles are promoted and why are people promoting those lifestyles?
0: So these questions are like a toolkit for all of us. A toolkit that will enable us to use our own filters, our own knowledge, our own abilities, to ensure that we are not swayed, influenced in a conformity or just as a hurt behavior when we get a message. So like when Divya talked about a forward, pause, think. You may know the person who forwarded the message very well. You may have trust on that person, yes. But if the content is not in the expert domain of that person, then the question should be, who originally wrote that message? Similarly, when you hear a view, and being a mental health professional, I, I I'm using this as an example here. Let's say you get a message that all oh, medications do this, all oh, mental health, something related to it. Now you ask yourself, the person who's writing this, the original writer or author. creator of this message is that person having the expertise to talk about it or not and now how about digging more and searching for other informations from other people on the same topic so that you will have a more wider landscape to understand from and yes If somebody is trying to force a lifestyle on you and I have, I just don't like this word. So I use this as an example. You keep on getting these um, pop ups or these things happening in conversation that this particular show is a binge worthy show. There is nothing binge worthy. How can something be binge worthy? Binge in itself is pathological. So the moment you keep on talking about, let's say, binge worthy, binge worthy, And you see young people talking, I saw all those eight episodes in one day or overnight. Eight episodes were about seven to eight hours. Why would you watch it over a day and why can't you watch it over a week or three or four days? But because it's almost become a norm, a perceived norm that you should see them together because it's so worthy. This is what happens. And what is the reason? You're spending more hours on your couch. You are reducing your physical movements. You are missing out on probably something else that you were going to do at that time, especially social engagement. Look at these aspects. So yes, those questions that Divya talked about, all of us need to probably write them near us, especially when we have media interface and keep asking those questions again and again. And for schools listening here, have conversations on media literacy. You have children for so many years with you. Make sure that you keep on asking these questions so that children, almost like a default mode, ask these questions when they see something and they won't be swayed. This may be my favorite player, but if my favorite player is endorsing a product and does not have the expertise to talk about it, I will not take it on face value. That is media literacy. From there, moving on to the other aspect, the one you were talking about privacy. Then we have talked about these seven critical questions. One more aspect of media literacy I want to uh, bring in here, which is this entire aspect of conformity. So, if I am a young person and I, have, I am on a social media platform. And my friends have a few hundred followers and I have a less. Or my friends are doing something or I see some uh, so-called influencer doing something which makes me feel, I'll also do this because this individual is doing this. Or for example, why am I not liked enough? This pressure that happens, how would media literacy help in this and what can be done?
2: Well, there is no doubt about the fact that the comparisons, the aspect of likability, desirability, that social media induces because we are seeing so much around us it certainly makes us lose our own or even question sometimes our own sense of individuality brings in a lot more doubt whether what i am thinking is actually likable or not likable even though you may be right but is it likable and some of these elements make us actually step away from that Uh, Self-confidence and that sense of uniqueness that we all need to maintain within our own selves. Our self-belief that continues to change slowly and steadily. And it has such a subtle change in our choices, um, in what we do, in what we present, in what we portray that it becomes more about what people are going to like, people are going to appreciate, and how my number of followers are going to increase because of all these things than anything else. And that's when it becomes more important to us. And this is where every decrease and increase in the followers also begins to impact us. Even relationships, you know, your friends, whether they've tagged you, not tagged you. Was I also part of that feed? Our number of pictures that I have, adolescent teenagers think to that level and begin to define their relationships over there and this is where media literacy comes in where we also need to understand what are relationships and in fact I would also add the element of we need to learn emotional management skills along with media literacy because we tend to also put in a lot of our emotions into what we put out there so I think in media literacy it has to be an amalgamation of a lot of things specifically. I mean, And, and I would not just define it for uh, the young population, but even us as adults, we need to learn on how to manage our emotions. We also need to value relationships while we continue to think, click wisely, critically when we are using media.
0: But one more thing comes to my mind, which probably may be the last thing we can talk about. Again, um, based on a very insightful conversation I had with a very very young person and I, I do believe that there is all the skill and the brilliance in young people it's just that adults like us need to facilitate it and again so happens to be a nine year old um you know me once I'm talking about your daughter all over again because you know that's where <laughs> a lot of learnings come for um, people my age is when a young person comes and tells their parent, in this case a very well-known mental health professional, no mobile phone on the dinner table. Now when a child tells the parent no mobile phone on the dinner table, in their own way children are telling you do a digital detox. You don't always need to be on your gadgets. But today this is a nine-year-old telling the parent Put five more years and the parent would now say, why don't you leave your phone and then the child is going to remind you, do you remember a couple of years back, I had written a note and put it on your table that no mobile phones on the table, but you were not the role model that you should have been. You taught me, now I'm just continuing the legacy of using the mobile phone. And that's food for thought for all of us. And that's the last question for you, Divya. The need for digital detox so that we can actually see there is indeed a beautiful world out there. Yes, if we just take off the headphones
1: and raise our eyes up, we'll see that there's a beautiful world out there. And just, this is a challenge you like to give, I know. Just spend four hours at one go in a week on a weekend probably where you are away from your gadgets Initially, you might get a bit bored, you may not know what to do with your time, but then you will gradually explore music, you will explore art, sports, gardening, cooking, there is so much else to do in this world. Things that are far more exciting, things that uh, are far more gratifying to us. So I think all of us as children, as adults, and as the youngest person in this conversation, telling the oldest person in this conversation, no phones on the dining table.
0: Yes. How about that? This time we give you, all you people who are listening to us, we give you this little media literacy challenge. Besides the seven questions that we'd like you to write down and put them around your homes and your offices, maybe a little sticky note on your mobile phone that when you are looking at a message, how about looking at those seven questions. But this is our challenge, my dare to you. Give me four hours in a row without using a gadget at least once a week can you do it if you can't you need to digital detox very very urgently this was an interesting conversation with the very very well-known divya jain who's a sport and counseling psychologist and the parent the author and the clinical psychologist mimansa singh tanwar and we talked about media literacy and for you there is a media literacy challenge You were listening to MindPod. Conversations on mental health brought to you by my Char and the Fortis National Mental Health Program and I'm Dr. Sameer Parekh. Next week, we talk about another very important sensitive topic, Psychological First Aid. Stay tuned and join us. Thank you.